Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacket Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void where prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. Drag up that diesel. What's good? Welcome to the Big Ben Podcast. I'm your host, Denton Day, at the Denton Day on Twitter. Back after like a week-long hiatus, I hope everyone had a uh, fantastic holiday. I know I enjoyed my Thanksgiving, specifically the beatdown that our team put on the Dallas Cowboys on a national stage, which ended up being the highest-ranked, highest-rated football game all season. So it was on full display, the greatness of Antonio Gibson and the greatness of Terry McLaurin, which was something I was very, very pleased with. We're not going to talk too much about that game for obvious reasons. It happened well over a week ago, and we are moving on. And we got Pittsburgh on a Monday. So we get the Monday day game, really. I would call it Monday night, but it starts at 5 o'clock. I don't know if that constitutes a... Monday night tagline and I just confirmed this on awful announcing I had to make sure I double checked before I started taping this episode of the podcast this technically isn't a primetime or nationally televised game if you are in the DC market you're going to get this football game between Washington and Pittsburgh if you are in select other markets you will get the game between Washington and Pittsburgh but for some unexplainable reason, I didn't read the article entirely. Maybe there is some reason as to why this is the case. But the game Monday at 5 p.m. between Washington, who at one point dominated the NFL, and Pittsburgh, who historically is one of the best franchises that the NFL has had, this game is not going to be nationally televised. If someone can make any form of sense out of that, Please let me know. I'm just playing solely off of the historical factor that these are two of the great teams throughout the history of the NFL, not even taking into context the fact that this year, Pittsburgh is undefeated. They're 11-0. They haven't lost. And for some reason, they're not playing on national television when it's a Monday game and the only football game on at the time. Somebody makes sense out of that. Is that some weird ESPN deal? where they can only capitalize and they're only uh, they're the only program allowed to be nationally televised. I have no idea why this game is not going to be nationally televised, but for some reason it's not. Now, there is a good thing that comes with that because we know this franchise's history of 
performing on the big stage in prime time on nationally televised games. You know, take Thanksgiving out of the conversation. This team in the Dan Snyder era does not play very well on national television. So maybe that's a benefit for the Washington football team that they're not playing uh, on national television. I just think it's dumb. I don't understand why this game would not be on national television. I know the NFC East sucks, and I know our team has certainly not been the best team and the most fun team to watch throughout the entire season, but I would argue they're playing their best football now, and they have a chance to win the NFC East. And judging based on some of the quarterback stuff going on in New York, I would put us as the favorite to win the NFC East, which three, four weeks ago, I thought we were completely done. I thought we were moving on to the NFL draft. I thought we were going to be, you know, struggling for draft position. I don't want to say tanking. I don't like tanking. But I thought we were going to be strategically kind of struggling for draft position. And here we are in December vying for a shot to win the division with a whopping 4-7 and seven record. You can't make sense out of what's happening in 2020. It's been a weird and wacky year, and that just is what it is. So we're rolling with the punches as we got them, and right now we are in a position where we can capitalize. We can beat a Pittsburgh team that I don't want to say is a wounded duck necessarily, but I know that Ben Roethlisberger has made it very clear that he is looking at this somewhat similar to a doubleheader. He was making some jabs about the game time and the positioning of the game uh, in some press conferences earlier this week. So Ben Roethlisberger, not exactly pleased to play uh, when they did against Baltimore and then turn right around and play when they're playing against us. But, hey, we are, uh, we've had a nice little long break. We've had some extended rest, unfortunate or maybe fortunate. This is a trap game. This is the quintessential trap game. And I almost feel very, very strange when I see a lot of people in the mainstream pick upsets like this, because I do feel like with no knowledge of how anybody else feels about this game, I try not to get blinded too much in my takes based on how the national figureheads feel about certain games. But without any of their knowledge or their input, this does seem like a a trap game for Washington in our benefit, because for starters... We're coming off a big-time win against Dallas. Antonio Gibson just played the best game of his career. Terry McLaurin is firing on all cylinders. The defense looked really, really good against the Dallas Cowboys. We looked the best that we had looked all season, so hopefully there is some momentum that comes with that. But then when you look at things from the Pittsburgh side of the equation— I mean, Pittsburgh is unbeaten, yes, but I don't know how many Washington fans are glued to the television when Pittsburgh plays, and if there are any Steelers fans that have managed to wander themselves into to this podcast, one, welcome, appreciate you listening, but two, your team is not a great undefeated team. I mean, I put them in the conversation with the Titans team led by, uh, I think Jeff Fisher was the coach, and Kerry Collins was the quarterback way back in the, the late 2000s when they started the season 10-0. and 0. Yeah, that's right. The Titans at one point with Kerry Collins as their quarterback started the season 10-0. and 0. You can't say you didn't learn something on this podcast. I put the Steelers right in that conversation when it comes to teams that start the season uh, with a double-digit win streak and start at least 10-0. and 0. The Pittsburgh Steelers obviously 11-0. They don't feel like the quintessential Peyton Manning-led Colts teams or Denver Broncos teams that get off to a hot start or when Tom Brady did it 
or when Aaron Rodgers did with the Packers. They don't feel like a really, really good unbeaten team. And maybe that's being unfair for Pittsburgh, but look, I've watched them play. There are games that they very easily could have lost and either the ball bounced their way or kickers do what kickers seemingly do best in 2020, which is miss important uh, field goals. Pittsburgh shouldn't be undefeated right now, but they are, and they're doing it all with defense. I did double check. I wanted to see this. I checked Ben Roethlisberger's stat line through 11 games, and I have to be honest with you. I was stunned at the numbers that I saw for Ben Roethlisberger because he's just shy of 3,000 yards. He's thrown for 25 touchdowns and just six interceptions. It sure doesn't feel like Ben Roethlisberger is 2,825-6 right now. It just doesn't seem like he's playing that well. And I had to double, triple, and quadruple check the interception mark because I have seen Ben Roethlisberger make some atrocious throws this season. Like, really, really bad. I mean, hell, he made one in the Baltimore game. It was a really, really bad throw, and his receiver, I believe, was James Washington. It was late in the game, so everybody saw it because everyone was glued to the television because everyone thought, hey, wait wait a second, Baltimore with Trace McSwirley might have a chance to, to go out and win this football game, and Ben Roethlisberger threw this duck in damn near triple coverage, and Washington was able to come down with the football, but those are the types of throws we have seen from Ben Roethlisberger all year. So the fact that he's only thrown six interceptions is is jaw-dropping because that number should be significantly higher. And hopefully, it gets higher this, I would say weekend, but Monday. Hopefully, this gets higher on Monday because I feel like this is a game that we have the ability to win. Look, Pittsburgh is competing for a championship. They are going to be in the conversation. Are they better than Kansas City? No. They're going to get smashed by Kansas City whenever those two teams face off. But right now, they are still in the conversation for a championship. We are in the conversation for the NFC East championship. Those are two very different types of championships, right? We're not going to play dumb here. We recognize that even if we make the postseason, we might steal a win because I've gone on record on multiple different platforms saying that whoever wins the NFC East is stealing a game in the postseason. I do believe that. But we're not competing for a championship even if we do win the NFC East. Pittsburgh is in the conversation for competing with a championship. And going into the postseason undefeated is an extra amount of pressure that the Steelers don't need. I'm not suggesting they're going to throw a game, but what I am saying is they're not going into the postseason unbeaten. They are going to lose at least one football game prior to the postseason beginning, prior to them getting what is likely going to be a first-round bye. Why not have that be against our organization? Because we need it more than anyone else that they're going to play in the near future. So why not us? It's a cliche tagline used in the world of sports. But why can't our franchise beat the Pittsburgh Steelers? And Pittsburgh has almost been trying, it feels like, to lose football games against somewhat decent teams as of late. I mean, hell, they beat Baltimore with not just one, but two backup quarterbacks, 19-14. to That was an ugly football game to watch. It was fun to watch football when it was actually taking place, but that was an ugly football game to watch. And had Pittsburgh been playing anybody else, they probably lose that football game. They just so happened to play RG3, our guy, 
who hurt himself, which is unfortunate. I wanted to see uh, Bobby Griffin the third play well, but unfortunately he did not. And then they happen to play, if you are local to the DMV, our other guy in Trace McSwirly. If you are up to date with Northern Virginia football, you would know that in recent history, uh, McSwirly is one of the best high school quarterbacks and had the most success of anybody in Northern Virginia. So it was our two guys from the DMV taking on Pittsburgh, and had they been anybody else, had it been a, a competent NFL team that didn't have nearly half of its roster out with coronavirus, Pittsburgh likely loses that game. Now, maybe they come into this matchup on Monday angry. They want to prove it to the world. But at this point, I would be willing to bet they're done with having to, you know, quote-unquote, prove things to the world. They're 11-0. They're making the postseason no matter what happens. The AFC is a very strong conference this year, but Pittsburgh's getting in, which is why this is set up perfectly for a trap game from our perspective. Pittsburgh's defense is one of the better defenses, if not the best defense in the NFL, but their biggest flaw, and this is their team's biggest flaw, they don't put teams away. They might go up big against teams, but they don't put them away. They went up big against the Philadelphia Eagles, and while Philadelphia technically lost that game by two scores, it was a nine-point ball game, that should have been a 24-point victory for Pittsburgh. But they let Carson Wentz and Philadelphia get back in the ball game. And that was when Carson Wentz was not playing uh, the worst football that you've ever seen, which is how I would describe how he plays quarterback now. But against the Titans, which is where Ben Roethlisberger threw three of his six interceptions. Again, the fact that Roethlisberger has only six interceptions on the season, I still can't necessarily uh, believe that. But they should have beat the Tennessee Titans by at least two to three scores. And that ended up being decided by Goskowski missing what would have been a game-tying kick to send it into overtime. Pittsburgh is very capable of losing football games. Their defense is good. Their offense is good, but they don't put teams away. And our organization has very much been a second-half team. If you don't put us away, we are going to find a way to climb back in the football game. We have seen our organization do it multiple times. It just so happens that a majority of the times that we do climb back into football games, we don't finish it off. So that's the challenge this week. You're playing a good football team. In the eyes of the masses and what you would call a good football team, we haven't played one in weeks. The last time we played a good football team, I would say, was the Rams. I still don't know if the Rams are a great football team, but the Rams were the last good football team that Washington played, and that was almost a full two months ago. It did not go well. You know that. I know that. It was tough to watch. But this team is very, very different now from what they were in the early stages of October. Alex Smith is like a complete and utter 180 from what he was. It was his first game back against Los Angeles. So you expected some form of jitters, and then on top of that, Aaron Donald was making grown men look like children. The offensive line, who has gotten better, had no answer for Aaron Donald in that Rams game. So we're a much different team than when we were then, This is a test, if you will. It's a test that I think Washington is capable of passing. And that gives me a degree of hope. But I can't help but think back to that Rams game and how Aaron Donald 
just completely massacred the offensive line. And as great as Aaron Donald was, he was not the only person on the Rams defensive front that had success against our group. And that's what scares me. Because Pittsburgh's defense, when it comes to sacks, they are as good as anybody in the league. Now, losing Bud Dupree is obviously a huge loss for Pittsburgh. But T.J. Watt is in the conversation for Defensive Player of the Year. And his fellow teammate, Minka Fitzpatrick, also in the conversation. Now, I'm not too worried about Fitzpatrick when it comes to getting after Alex Smith in terms of a pass rush. But I am worried about Minka Fitzpatrick when it comes to being around a football because the dude is a ball-hawking safety. I would say that right now Fitzpatrick is the best safety in football. I mean, the guy is, he's legit. He's legit, legit. Pittsburgh, at the time, gave up a ton in that Fitzpatrick trade. It looks really good for them now. So that does worry me a little bit. Here's a stat for you, and this is this is a jaw-dropping statistic, and I think it speaks to how good Pittsburgh has been on the offensive line and how good their front seven has been. And this is important for, for us as we look at this matchup on both sides of the football. Their sack differential to this point in the season, they played 11 games. Their sack differential is 41-10. to 10. Ben Roethlisberger has been sacked 10 times in 11 games, and the last time he was sacked in a game was against Baltimore, but it was in the first meeting on November 1st. He has played four full football games and has gone a full calendar month without being sacked. Meanwhile, their defense has racked up 41 sacks. So while I don't think that Pittsburgh is a great undefeated team, And when we look back at the history of the NFL in regards to undefeated teams, we are not going to mention these Pittsburgh Steelers anywhere near the top of that list. But that statistic right there is the difference maker. Their defense gets after the quarterback. Their offensive line keeps their guy upright. I hope that sack number changes drastically for Ben Roethlisberger. Because as you look at the Pittsburgh Steelers' schedule... Over, the pa- over, over that month-long period, they're not playing anybody spectacular. You know, they played Baltimore this past weekend, or this past week. Then it was Jacksonville, Cincinnati, Dallas. Those are the four teams that, or the four games that Ben Roethlisberger has escaped without a sack. Our defensive line is better than all of them. All of them. Our defensive front can get more pressure on the quarterback than all of those teams that I just named. But that's going to be crucial. If you can fluster Ben Roethlisberger, he will turn the football over. That just is what it is. He is making 39-year-old throws. or I don't know how old is Ben Roethlisberger. Ben Roethlisberger is in his late 30s. He is making throws like he is in his late 30s. Like that. that's just what he, he's 30. He's 38. He'll be 39 in March. He's 38 years old, and he's throwing the football like a 38-year-old quarterback. I think Chase Claypool is great. I think Juju Smith-Schuster is really good. But I don't see them as guys that are going to just absolutely torch our defense. We have played better wide receivers than those two guys, and we have came out on the other side pretty well, pretty solid, still breathing, still moving. And I don't expect that to change. James Conner is a very fine running back. He had a really good season 
when Le'Veon Bell was doing that weird holdout thing. But he's not Le'Veon Bell. And Le'Veon Bell, when Le'Veon Bell was in his prime, he was much better than what James Conner is now. And again, if you're dominating the offensive line in the passing game, you're likely having a good amount of success in the run game as well. If you can fluster Pittsburgh, if you can mess up their timing, if you can put pressure on Ben, if you can make life difficult on their running backs, whether it be Snell or uh, James Conner, the defense could have a really, really fun day. Like, really, really fun. It gives me a little bit of joy and, again, optimism. I'm trying to be optimistic throughout this entire season, but I really do think this is a winnable football game. Terry McLaurin has yet to let us down. In fact, I saw a tweet that was circulating where the only game that Terry has had under 60 receiving yards was against the Rams, but all of the reasons that Terry had under 60 receiving yards, that game had nothing to do with him. He didn't get quote-unquote shut down by Jalen Ramsey. If you didn't watch the game and lack context, you might say that. But we watched the game. We know the context. There was the quarterback issue and the offensive line issue. They couldn't throw the football. Which I bring that point up to turn a light to, and I'm gonna do, I do this every single week, and I'm going to continue to do this every single week that Terry McLaurin is a member of this roster. I haven't seen him lose a battle yet. I don't know who Pittsburgh is going to put on him. I don't know if they're going to double team him. I don't know if they're going to use Minka Fitzpatrick to help over the top. I don't know what they're going to do. But I have yet to see Terry McLaurin lose a matchup in a game. And I don't see that changing against Pittsburgh. I do have some questions as to whether or not what we saw from Antonio Gibson on Thanksgiving can be a a somewhat consistent output, and I use the word somewhat because, look, we're not expecting you to rush for three touchdowns every single week. That would be absurd. But if he can play at that level, that consistency, then this offense is significantly further along than I thought we would ever get this year based on where we started the season off. This is, this is a trap game. It is. It does worry me that a lot of people at the national level are picking us to win because I think that almost kind of sways things a little bit. I, you know, look into that however you will. But I think this is a very winnable game for our football team. And I guess I will join the ranks. I think I've picked our team to win just about every single game this year, except for maybe one or two. So that's not changing this week. I think Washington beats Pittsburgh. I don't think they do it handily. I think at one point in time, Pittsburgh is going to take at least a 10-point lead. But they're going to do what they've done every season against teams with competent offenses, which I would put us now in the category of a team with a competent offense. I think we get them. Scott Turner has done a fantastic job as of late coming into his own as a play caller. He is getting a lot more creative, and that's putting a lot more pressure on defenses I think Washington gets Pittsburgh. I think we are the ones to to hand this unbeaten team its first loss in this NFL season. So I'm taking I'm taking the football team. Oh, let's go. I think I feel like I picked 28 too much, so I don't want to go 28, but also scoring 30 against Pittsburgh seems unrealistic. So let's go 27 to 25. 
I think the football team beats Pittsburgh 27 to 25. I don't think they win on a game winning kick. I think that's just an extra point uh, because I I look, I'm not taking Hopkins to beat Pittsburgh with his legs. Sorry, I'm just not there yet. Love to be wrong. I'm just not there, but I think the football team beats Pittsburgh 27 to 25. They get it done and they hand the Steelers their first loss and they jump back atop of the NFC East and move into first place. That's how I feel. I'd love to know how you feel at Twitter or on Twitter at the Denton Day. Let me know how you feel about this ball game. I'm excited to watch it on Monday. It's going to be unique watching a game on Monday at 5 p.m. when I'm technically still working. But look, I'm all for it. Uh, I'll be watching. I'll be on Twitter. Hit me up at the Denton Day. Until then, I'm out. Peace. Peace.